Welcome to Two Inches Off the Ground. When you are enlightened, you live your life two inches off the ground. This is season two, episode 39. Meet metaphysical therapist Allison Chowla. Allison Chowla is an LMSW certified life coach, alternative healer, and writer. She maintains private coaching and healing practices in both Manhattan and Rhinebeck, New York. She holds a master's degree in social work from Fordham University and a life coaching certification from the Life Purpose Institute. Before obtaining a clinical degree, Allison mastered certifications in Reiki, energy healing, meditation, and meridian tapping for anxiety. Allison also holds certifications in applied neuropsychology and neuroscience for treating anxiety, worry, and panic. Since the onset of the pandemic, she hosts a local radio show, which is awesome, and I've been on it, and a podcast called Talk to Allison. You can find this anywhere, and I will put it in the show notes, which is recorded in Rhinecliff, New York. Over the years, she has graced the pages of the New York Times, O Magazine, inspiring women to embrace their strengths and uniqueness. She was featured on the popular website, Mommy Nearest, as one of New York's top postpartum life coaches and contributes pieces to HuffPost.com, MotherlyWellbeing.org, and she's frequently cited on other social media platforms and in scholarly articles. Allison believes in the treatment of the combined mind-body-soul trio for optimum wellness and incorporates both clinical and holistic approaches to her patients. So excited to have her here. She is my friend in real life. Welcome, Allison Chowla. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. It's always good to have you. Now, for those of you that don't know, uh, Allison was on my UC or ulcerative colitis podcast and her episode did extremely well. And Allison is also my friend in real life, which is unusual here for, in the <laughs> podcasting world that I actually know you and have like, yes. seen you in person. So that's fun too. So we do know each other that way. And I'm excited to have you here today. As I introduced, you are a metaphysical or alternative therapist, which I think is so great for Thank my you. listeners. I also want to point out, so there's no at the end where it's like, oh, she only works, you know, in an office. Well, she does, but she also works virtually. So if you do, and as I just said before we came on, Allison, I've given your name to the listeners from the UC podcast who are from Australia. I welcome people from all over the world and I think that a lot of people hesitate, especially when it comes to alternative therapies or the metaphysicals, if you will, that it can't be done virtually. But I have been doing loads of energy work over virtual conferences or, or sessions, uh, whatever you'd like to call them. Um, and it just requires what it would be in an in-person is for the person to connect and be open and present and just allow the information to come through. I think that's been one of the good things about COVID is that people are finally learning that energy work and healing can be done online and it can be done really well online yes. and you can actually receive the energy just as much as you do in person that you do virtually. So we're yeah. learning that. Correct. And the other wonderful thing about 
well, not that I don't want to use the word wonderful about the pandemic, but the silver lining that came from it was that people were so eager to heal and so eager to find relief that those who weren't necessarily open to alternative modalities became very open and wanted to try. And I think, sadly, a lot of that influence came from the abrupt loss of loved ones and the amount of loss from loved ones. And, you know, for those of us who are already in tune to that experience when someone passes or are able to feel the presence or the transition of someone, it was so intense that you couldn't deny that there was something around us that we couldn't necessarily see or or have a tangible experience with. And I think because the veil was so thin at that time and so many people were passing at such a rapid rate that those who perhaps weren't open or maybe just weren't aware of how to tune into those experiences suddenly came and said, I am feeling something. I can't explain it. I've never felt it. I feel things around me. I feel the shift of energy. And I, I'm curious to have energy healing now. So it was really lovely, you know, if you had to find positives that came from that, I would say that that's one of them. So Allison, I can imagine that you were super busy in COVID. I mean, we're still in COVID, but in the thick of COVID. I was. I was very busy. I was busy with the alternative energy work and the coaching and, you know, the the metaphysical work more than I was anything. I mean, most of the time I'm very busy with coaching where people want to have discussions about things, but there was so much agony and despair and discomfort that most people who came to me said, I've seen you do, you do coaching, but I looked on your website and I noticed that you do healing as well. And I am just, I'm just so eager and so open right now to find anything that will help me feel better through all of this and give me some hope. And I think a lot of that came from the lack of hope and the inability to process how many people were lost during that. Sometimes it takes a terrible catastrophe and trauma to get us to open up to something that we earlier did not believe in, or maybe we needed more of an explanation for. And so I saw a lot of people coming in for healing. It actually really makes sense, especially when you were talking about earlier how the veil was just becoming so thin. So I think people were being guided right. as well. In, in, and I know, I think most of your listeners know what I mean when I say that, but I mean the veil between the living and the dead and you know, yep. the, the, what we pass through. And, you know, depending on what you believe in or what you call it, I think most of the time we're all saying the same thing and using different words for it. But it was just that it was just so easy and so abrupt and so fast for so many people and so many souls to die at once that it just felt, you know, it's, it's like a cloth that you keep running water through or you keep pushing a needle through for sewing. Like it really just expands and becomes easier for other things to pass through it. Yes, I agree. So I want to start with your background a little bit. How did you come to explore psychology? And then once you started to, how did you start to infuse the metaphysical into your practice? Well, I'm not a psychologist. I'm a social worker. So I did study psychology in my undergrad, but actually it was the metaphysical first for me. I, as a young child, was feeling things and experiencing things and had a language for things 
that no one had taught me. I just came through with it. I remember feeling very unusual at times and awkward, but thinking, no, I what I'm feeling now is real. I'm experiencing something that maybe others don't understand, but this is real and I'm going to find people that have the same experience. So for me, it was it was that work that I started with. I became Reiki certified when I was about 20, but I had already been reading books on the metaphysical or, or energy work or trying to understand like unspoken communication and just, you know, it, the phrases that were out there that helped explain a little bit of what I was experiencing at the time. So I began as a healer before I did anything else. And then, you know, I went and I studied psychology and writing in my undergrad because I thought, well, there's definitely a correlation here between what I'm feeling and what I'm trying to convey to people and psychology. And then I went to, uh, I went back to school for social work because I wanted to understand more about human behavior and the influences on human behavior. And then I just, I, you know, I, I picked up tremendous amounts of information when I did that degree, but you know, it's all sort of like, you know, there's so many similarities in the languages that we're talking about. And like I said earlier, when I was mentioning someone passing away, a lot of the time we're all saying the same thing and using different words for it. You are a highly intuitive person like many of my listeners, right? Yes. So how does that intuition help in your practice? You've told me that you often attract metaphysical and intuitive clients, which makes sense because law of attraction, hello, right. like we all know that. So I just wondered how that intuition helps oh, gosh. with clients. I mean, it's a language. I get so much more information out of what I'm feeling from someone in the room versus from what they're telling me. And I can get so much information in a shift in their emotions because I feel it energetically. And a lot of the time people will feel embarrassed or ashamed to ask for a suggestion or even embarrassed to talk about something that has caused physical pain. And I can say to them, you know, when, when it's the right person, I can say, I felt a shift in you. It feels very heavy. It feels uncomfortable for you. It's just, you can tell me we can fix this. What is it that you need? For example, I had one young woman that I was doing Reiki on and she was just very tense and she was trying to come off as if she was feeling relaxed. And I could tell that there was pain in one of her shoulders. I could just, I was just getting the, the message. And I said, what's going on with your shoulder? Did you overwork yourself? Did you do much more than you were supposed to? Because that energy is telling me that it's too much and you have an emotional experience connected to it. And sure enough, there was a story behind that. I mean, it just, it's invaluable for me. And I can feel those things on a screen, which is phenomenal because I didn't know that I could until I had to. So I'm thinking of an instance where my past relationship, not the one I'm in now, I went to couples therapy. Mm -hmm. And in couples therapy, the woman was very good. She's very good couples therapist. Mm -hmm. We went to two. One was an asshole and the other one, <laughs> he was terrible. I'm just being honest. And then the second one was very good. So with the second one, she had said to us that a lot of what she sees is couples in couples therapy who they treat it like a game, hmm. like it's a joke, and they don't take it seriously. And she said, I'm glad to see that you guys are taking it seriously. I thought that was really interesting. It always stuck with me. Mm -hmm. So have you ever had situations where 
you've had clients, not they take it as a joke, but they're just there doing the motions and you're feeling it intuitively and you have to kind of call them out on it. Have you ever had a situation like that? Uh, yes, but I really, you know, I have a tremendous amount of compassion for anyone and everyone. Not to say that I don't get frustrated with people. That's usually my, my own life, my family, my personal life. But when someone comes in and they want to do, you know, they want to talk or they want to do energy work and they're kind of goofing around, I usually assume they're nervous, they're ashamed, mm-hmm. or they're embarrassed, or, you know, they're about to trust someone they've never met before or they've just recently met with their experiences. And so I wouldn't say I call them out as much as I try to address the feeling that I think they're having. So I'll say something, do you feel safe? Do you feel uncomfortable? It's okay to laugh sometimes. You don't have to feel embarrassed. You know, as a matter of fact, laughter is a great expression and a purge, just like crying is. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess in, the, in my way I call them out, but really it's more like, I feel you. And I feel that you are not fully safe feeling and comfortable right now. Do you ever have situations where you just, you can easily predict what someone's going to say or their story and does that hinder you? And also do people ever surprise you? Like you've, you've been in this game for so long and then on top of it, you're highly intuitive. So do people ever surprise you still? Um, there are instances where I'll say like, oh, I didn't. I didn't think that was coming right now, but most of the time, and I do say this to people, I say like, I felt that coming. I felt, yes, I, or, Mm. you know, more interesting, if I do a reading for someone, for example, if I do like a card reading or an intuitive reading, when the person agrees to do a reading with me, sometimes I will wake up that morning and be getting ready and in the shower and then getting this information. And I'll come to the session and say, so I got this and I had this come to me and this came to me. Is this related to you? And, and, you know, they'll laugh and say like, yeah, that is something that I was wondering if it would come up or I was going to bring up. When you're an intuitive, open person, it's always there. It's always coming through. It's just a matter of wanting to accept it, but also knowing the right time to put the boundaries up, not to read into it much. This work is so sacred and private that when someone works with me and asks, well, when this is over, are you going to still be sort of reading something about me. And I will say, just as I would never show up at your house and peek in your windows or knock on your door without telling you I was coming, I will not be sitting here trying to read your energy after we are done with the session. It's a lot of boundary setting. Yeah. Which is great. And it's respect. In that sense. It's respect. Uh, that's a better word for it. Yeah. It's absolute respect. And it's funny you say that about your clients because when I have a guest, oftentimes I will get intuitive hits on them either the night before we record or the morning of. I always do. And I tell them and they're like, oh my God, how did you know that? And it just, you know, you're just feeling their energy. Yeah. And, but then there's also been a contract established. Like for example, when you and I checked in last night and we agreed that we were going to have this recording, there was a contract there. There was an agreement. I said, my soul is open for you and vice versa. And so that information comes through when the permission has been given but then when it's over, like it really just, it's like a book. It closes. Like, I don't want you to read me anymore. And so I'm going to put you away for now. And if you want to come back, we can visit a new chapter or a different chapter. 
Yeah. And I felt this morning, I was like, oh, I have a feeling we're just going to be a little delayed today. And we were. And we were. And that's just how it, and we were, and that's just how it, how it goes and everything. You know, we're both metaphysical people. It happens in the right time. This is going to be edited out where we both froze on the screen. Right. And, and we were both stalled for about five minutes because, you know, we're trying to get the technology to work. And that has a lot to do with two metaphysical people and highly intuitive people on technology. So I wasn't even surprised when that happened. I think it happened the last time we spoke too. I think it happened the last. Oh, it probably did. I'm sure. I think it did. (laughs) But you know, it's funny this morning when I, when I wanted to reach out to you to say it's going to be delayed, I thought, well, she knows. I know she knows, but I like just. Yeah, (laughs) I did. It was so funny because I was like, should I cook this meatloaf? I was cooking this meatloaf. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to cook it because I know we're just not going to record for a little while. So I was like, let me just cook the meatloaf. It's, so it all works, so all works out. And so comforting. Whereas I know others would find that very daunting and maybe threatening. But for me, it's a relief because you know, the energy of truth comes through. And then you know, you're, you're, I know you're being understanding because you can feel that I experienced something, that I needed to put it off a little bit, that I'm still human. And I still have my own issues that I have to work through. This time just being not sleeping because my my child, who is also very metaphysical, was having nightmares. But yeah, it, it's a communication. It's an agreement to talk. So now I want to move a little bit more into uh, how, as a metaphysical person from an expert like you, we are in this world of constant negative news and social media stress. And besides the advice of don't watch the news, (laughs) go on social media, that's obvious. What else can we do as metaphysical people to protect our energy from a, I would say, psychological perspective? Well... I do have to say that a lot of it, it has to do with the amount of input that we allow ourselves to absorb. You did mention the news and social media. I mean, unfortunately, those are things that we rely upon for information. But I think that the self-care element is essential. Definitely don't overread, don't overlook. You know, I mentioned I have recently deleted my Instagram account. Because I just felt, for me, it was too much information. And it was getting in the way of my spirit and mind being able to do other things that I wanted them free for. And so I shut that down. I I recommend shutting certain social medias down um, if you want to hold on to one, great. But really limit yourself. But it's back to the self-care. It's the nurturing. It's the meditating. It's the getting outside in nature. It's getting into water. It's things like drinking plenty of water and eating properly and just, you know, our everything, the mind, the body, and the spirit need care. And so, you know, just as we feed ourselves well because we want to have a good physical body, we have to do things to protect our psychological health and our spiritual and emotional health. So it's really self-care and it's different for everyone. Take a bath, go for a walk, get together with some friends. Sit outside by yourself. I'm very, very big on being out in nature when possible. And I know depending on where people live, that can be easier or more challenging. But even if you're getting on your balcony and you're smelling the air and you're feeling the change or the shift in the wind, you know, whatever it may be, just allowing your psyche to have different stimulation that's natural versus information that you have to handle and process. 
I'm just jealous that you deleted your Instagram <laughs> because if I didn't have podcasts, I would do that too. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm the one who's promoting myself. So unfortunately I have to, you know, keep on social media. I, I like it, but then I, it's like a very much a love hate relationship, but I find that, well, I'm on Instagram and I'm on clubhouse and I find that with both of them, my frustration is not just, okay, maybe negative stuff or people, you know, showing their highlights and it's all BS or whatever it is. It's not that. It's just, it's the same stuff over and over. Yeah. And, I, and you're like, that's right. It's, it's just, just the same thing. And Clubhouse, just really quickly, Clubhouse at the height of COVID, which I loved it, they were getting 6 million downloads a month. Now they're going down to 300,000 downloads wow. a month and declining Wow! because people now can go back to events and right. meet with other people. And if you look on Clubhouse's interface, it's the same conversations happening over and it's not even interesting anymore. Can I, <laughs> you know, I tell you I, something? Go ahead, please. I don't even know what, yeah. I don't know what Clubhouse is. <laughs> Oh, it's just a social media app. Because I app. choose to not – I'm sure it has been mentioned in passing, and my response was, no, no, I don't need that. I, I have too much already as it is. But you know, because of that, like, it is the same thing on a lot of these, you know, social media, social media sites or apps or venues. And I don't think our brains are designed to handle that much information, but it's so yeah. easy to it's so easy to get addicted to the habit of checking or feeling like you're being left out because everybody else is doing it but you know imagine being in a room of people talking at you and when you need a break they keep talking at you and when you need to take a nap they're still talking at you and you know inevitably your parts of you are going to break down and i think the overload of information is doing that to people but it's designed to be so subtle and to make those dopamine hormone spike that we we hardly see that it's having a very negative effect on us. We're meant to be in silence. We're meant to take time to process. We were designed to make our own decisions based on the influences of the people that we respect around us and have some self-confidence with being different. But now, you know, I see so many negative elements coming from social media and, and just too much of it. Again, people like you, I have friends that have businesses. I, they should be on it. They do remarkable things with their work on it, but you have to know who you are and what's right for you. And you've got to shut it down. Absolutely. And that's what I did. I took a six week break and it was so nice and I didn't want to go back, but I knew I had to go back. Yeah. And people were like, where are you? And and that's how people find me with the uh, ulcerative colitis podcast and all things like that. That's where they find me. So I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm going to go back on. But I agree with what you said. It, it is chatter. It's white noise at you it's all the time. It's constant. It's constant. You know what else yeah. I... I realized recently, and I had mentioned to someone, not that there aren't incredibly brilliant creative people out there, but it seems like we've lost our scholars and our composers and our mm. poets. I mean, they're still out there, but everyone is just so filled to the brim with everyone else's information that it's almost extinguishing natural creativity. So you don't think people pointing at shit and <laughs> doing these mindless dances are, are art? Come on. That's, that shit is well, art. Let me tell you, I actually think there are I'm some kidding. incredibly creative people on the internet. And my husband enjoys Instagram and he shows me memes and videos and I am cracking up. There are some geniuses yeah. out there with what they're doing, but they're using it well. 
Yes. They're using it well. The They are being creative. They are being themselves. And that's stuff I really enjoy. You know, it's more of an addiction for most, I think. And I don't know. I hope the pendulum swings with that and we see less of it just for everyone's health. I think actually that's what's going to happen. I really do predict that I think there's going to be, instead of the next social media site that's the big one, what's going to take over Instagram in five years, I think things are going to start to pull back because it's getting to be where people are just, it's the same effing information over and over and people are sick of it. Now, when I do Clubhouse, I host a room. So it's like doing a live podcast with other people once a week, but that's because we have a really loyal following. We're all friends. Right. We really enjoy it. It, You know, people get a lot of great information, but that's an hour and a half out of my week, which I'm comfortable with. Mm -hmm. But me just scrolling through trying to find stuff to listen to because it's not COVID or the height of COVID anymore. I'm like, nah. Yeah. 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 (laughs) And and again, thank heavens for these things during that time of isolation and quarantine because it allowed us to do things like we're doing now together. And it allowed us to connect with friends and see people when we couldn't see them in person. So again, I I see the positives. I'm just a very, I'm a sensitive person. So I have to shut things down for myself so I don't become overloaded and overwhelmed. And for me, the overwhelm comes in like this, almost like a physical response. I feel like I'm not rested, something, you know, like cellularly, I don't feel right. So it really does affect all areas of me. Okay. So here's another question. How do you, you as the metaphysical therapist, protect your energy when you have clients talking to you about their problems all day long? Well, I don't work with people that I feel like will be a conflict. You know, it's, I can tell right away. And I think other people feel right away, like this is not the person. And it's such an intimate thing, especially if I'm doing um, like, again, I brought up Reiki earlier, but I'll bring it up again. It's such a physical thing as well. There's not, I actually don't touch my clients. It's all done above them and around them. Um, Unless I say like, can I tap you here? Can I, can I just touch on something. You tell me how this feels. I tell people if I don't feel like it's going to be a good match, like this is nothing personal. I just feel like energetically we're not a good combination. and I'm not going to be able to help you in the way that you need me to. And then I find somebody else for them. But I do a lot of the things I mentioned earlier. I get up early. So I have alone time. I meditate when I can. I don't do it every day. I'm still human. You know, I I forget to do things. I make my mistakes. I I eat well. I try to get a lot of sleep. I try to go for walks outside. It's all the stuff that I mentioned earlier. I try to laugh. I try not to take life too seriously, even though I'm kind of a person that takes things seriously because I'm doing it for others all the time. (laughs) But And you like to vintage shop. And I love to vintage shop. Yes. So that's another one. Like I, you know, I, I, if I'm having a tiring day and and I don't feel like resting and I think it's important to get out, I put some lipstick on, throw a fun outfit on and just go for a walk or just go get myself a tea or a coffee. It's all about self-care. Now, if someone wants to reach out to you and see if they are a good match for you as a client, Mm -hmm. I would just like you to explain one more time. So you are a social worker that does therapy that also infuses metaphysical practices such as Reiki and energy work into your business? Yeah, I think the best way to, I think the way that I like to explain myself is that I'm an, I'm an alternative healer and therapist and I'm a trained social worker. Because again, the foundation of me and the things that I did first were all in 
Eastern philosophy, philosophies and techniques of healing and therapies like meridian tapping and the intuitive work. I think alternative healer, alternative therapist is a nice way to say it. Recently, especially, someone mentioned Instagram, like, if you went back on, what would you call yourself? I said, I think I would just write, I am here for your interpretation. Because, oh, that's a good because one. I'm, you know, I'm here, I, I do different things for different people. And so to slap a specific label on myself doesn't always make sense. Okay, understand. So if anyone wants to reach out to you to uh, see about your services, you can go to talktoallison.com. Is that correct? That's correct. And it's Allison with two L's and an I. And I am going to put this in the show notes. Allison, it was so nice having you on and talking to you because I really wanted to hear about your metaphysical practice because so many of us need that today and we need a healer like yourself. So thank you. Thank you. I'm absolutely honored. And it's it's always a pleasure to talk to you and with you and laugh with you and just share the space and the energy with you. Until next time. Live your life two inches off the ground.